Hello and welcome to the Makeup Artist Chronicle. I am so happy that you're here. I am your host, Julia, and I have a really cool episode. I have an interview today. I chatted with a really incredible makeup artist that has worked on TV sets, film sets. But before I get into that, I just want to express a little bit of gratitude. Thank you so much to everyone who reached out, DM'd me, um, and kind of connected with me about last week's episode about imposter syndrome and, you know, feeling, sometimes feeling like you're not good enough or you're not whatever enough. Um, And so many of you expressed feeling the same and shared some advice in terms of what you do that helps you get out of that. So thank you so much for everyone who reached out. I really appreciate you. Um... But today we're going to bring the levity back. We're going to bring the light back because today's guest is such a beautiful, lovely spirit. She just has this energy that's glowing and warm and welcoming. Um, Her name is Elena Miller and she is a makeup artist currently based in Atlanta, but she's worked pretty much everywhere. Um, She's worked on TV sets like Firefly Lane, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Arrow, Batwoman. She's worked on film sets, commercial sets. She's an amazing makeup artist. And she talks to me about her journey, how she got into it, how she went to school for it, the hardships that she's had along the way, and the really great successes and wins that she's had along the way. She also shares some really, really cool advice for anyone that either you're an aspiring makeup artist or you're just a beauty enthusiast, you know, she shares some really great tips, some great product advice, her favorite products. And I just think it was such a great episode. It was such a great conversation. Um, we did, I did record this with her, uh, last week, I believe it was. Um, but now I'm so happy to be able to, to give this to you and send it out into the world, this amazing conversation. Without further ado, here is the beautiful spirit and amazing person. That is Elena Miller and our wonderful conversation. I thought it was wonderful. Let me know your thoughts at our toll-free hotline. Leave me a voicemail with your thoughts, your questions, or your favorite products that you can't live without. 877-THE-MUAC, 877-THE-MUAC. Here we go. Yay. I I tend to talk a lot too. Sometimes the conversation just ends up veering that way. Um, Elena Miller, thank you so much for being here on the Makeup Artist Chronicle. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you. I'm really thrilled to be here. Yay. Um, So I know a little bit about your history because I obviously stalked you on the internet, (laughs) but (laughs) I know your IMDb is stacked and you've been just hustling and doing amazing things in the space of film, TV, commercials. Um, But I would love for you to kind of bring us back to the beginning where did you have a moment where you realized like, I want to be a makeup artist. This is what I want to do. And then what was your journey like from there? Yeah. So my journey was very not linear and mm-hmm. probably a little, probably a lot different than a lot of people's. Um, I didn't grow up like obsessed with makeup or even wearing makeup. I was actually like low-key discouraged from wearing makeup a little bit. I remember going to a school dance with eyeliner. My mom was like, you look like a raccoon. Take it off. <laughs> So, I mean, I have two moms. Um, I grew up um, with lesbian parents, and they're very strong feminists. And we grew up in um, urban Minneapolis, Midwest America. And I will say that, like, makeup was not something that was even, like, 
I didn't even really knew it existed until I was probably yeah. like a sophomore in high school. Like I, I, I wow. obviously like knew there was makeup. Like I'd go to the drugstore and I would see it on the shelves, but I was just like, I was very much a tomboy too. I think I played competitive soccer my whole life. And I was also like anti, like anything girly. I was like, no, ew. Like, I don't want to be girly. I want to be strong. I don't know. I was a odd child. Um, <laughs> but as I kind of got older, I, you know, started to see more of the creative side with it and really appreciating it, appreciating it as more of like an art form and less of like being pretty. Also, like I grew up in the 90s and then the early 2000s where like makeup looks were like a little rough. Like people oh, yeah. were using like dream matte mousse and like eyebrows were looking rough. So mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. I remember a couple of my friends like tweezing their eyebrows and my mom was like, don't you dare touch your eyebrows. Don't do it. And I'm so glad she never did because we are blessed and not they're beautiful, <laughs> not stressed at all. They are gorgeous. I know I, I did the sperm brows at that time and I'm like trying to like. Are you, are you still alive, follicles? Come <laughs> yeah. back to me. <laughs> I somehow managed to get through the 90s and the early 2000s with everything intact and, like, didn't touch my brows. I'm very, like, low-key a hairy person, though, so I think I would have been okay regardless. <laughs> but it was, you know, it was, it was a nice thing um, getting out of high school and college, you know, with my brows still intact. Um, but then, so I went to um, university actually after call, or sorry, after high school, I went to study biology, actually. Um, I had an amazing 10th grade biology teacher who really inspired me, and I thought I was going to be a doctor. I wanted to go to medical school. I wanted to be a neuroscientist, a neurologist, and I wanted to do brain surgery. Um, I've always really been interested in the sciences, but it was like, I really, really wanted to be a doctor. Um, so I got a degree in biology from St. Olaf College in Minnesota, and then I um, almost got my neuroscience, um, we call it uh, concentration, but basically it's a minor. Um, I was like one class away from getting that, but I just like ran out of time. Um, and then I also had like a almost minor again in like biomedical studies. So I was like firmly on this like one path. I was going to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, some life happened and I was like, okay, take a step back. Let's reevaluate. And I took, I studied for and took the MCAT twice. Um, and college was really hard. <laughs> college mm -hmm. is like kind of hard and especially in the sciences. And I feel like after I like really struggled through biochemistry, I know this has nothing to do with makeup, but it's important yep. for the story. Yep. Yep. Um, I was like, you know, I'm not sure if this is really my passion. And I'm not sure if I'm going to be happy studying this hard for the next eight years of my life. Um, because that's kind of what medical school is. You give four years of med school, then you do residency, then you do fellowships. And I was like, that's a lot. So I told my mom, I was like, I want to do a gap year. I don't want to go straight into med school. I want to try taking the MCAT maybe one more time in like a year or two. I just need to give my brain a break. I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. She's like, great. Awesome. We will support you. Like, we love you. I was like, cool. So then I took a job as an apparel associate at Dick's Sporting Goods. 
<laughs> okay. Wow. The girl needed money. <laughs> yep. And That's how it goes. It was seasonal, and I was like, everyone was hiring, so of course they like hired me on the spot, and it was great. Did that for um, a little over a year, and it just felt like I was doing people's laundry all day because like you just fold clothes all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I want to do something a little bit more stimulating. I'm a little bored. And I love helping people. I did realize that I'm always enjoyed customer service, mm-hmm. but just doing clothes wasn't quite quite doing it anymore. So then, um, it was really cool. I was working at the location in Minnetonka, and right across the road there was an Ulta Beauty, mm-hmm. and I was just kind of starting to get more into makeup. I remember I bought my very first Urban Decay eyeshadow palette off of Sephora. gateway gateway product gateway product the original ud naked palette was my very first sephora purchase ever and i'm telling and and this is after college like i had never shopped at sephora until like i was 22 which is wild now because you see like children in there oh yeah (laughs) um but when i was growing up we didn't have it wasn't as popular to like see YouTube tutorials. I will say, I remember very vividly my YouTube influencer, quote unquote, mm-hmm. that I remember that I loved was Michelle Phan. Yes. I was Michelle Phan's generation. And I, what I loved about her content was that she would do a look and she wouldn't give any brand. She would just describe the product and then show you how to do it because she knew and she was making sure her audience knew that, you know, some people are going to have something from Tom Ford and someone else is going to have from Maybelline. But it didn't Mm -hmm. matter because it was more so the actual product. She just was she would describe like how to do brown smoky eyes in the most simple way. I loved it. So anyways, Michelle Phan, OG influencer like mm-hmm. huge, huge person in like my early makeup years. I remember watching her constantly and trying to copy. I even bought some of her very original M Cosmetics before she rebranded. So that's, wow. That's how big of an OG fan I was. Um, and uh, so back to where I was in life. So I go to Ulta, I get a job as a part-time cashier and mm-hmm. I'm just working behind the counter, doing great. And then Ulta launches their credit card. And it was the first time any beauty store had launched a credit card. And I was, I remember my, my manager was like, okay, so we need to like hit our goal of at least, you know, three cards a day. And I was doing seven. I was selling these things like hotcakes. And very quickly, my manager was like, okay, this girl can sell. We need to get her from out from behind the register and put her on the floor because she will sell anything. So I got promoted from part-time cashier to, um, more not quite full full time but 35 hours a week um of of like a prestige beauty advisor and I started to get really good at color matching people and so every single time someone needed um a foundation match they'd be like Elena Elena can you come color match (laughs) Elena we need color matching and I was like the Minnetonka color matching guru I would like shade match every single person I knew every single foundation in that store I knew skin type I knew color I knew undertone and I got really good of just like and I could whip it out it would literally take me looking at a person I could get 
three colors and I probably hit it in those three. And sometimes just because I didn't want to like show off too much, I would take three, even though I knew which one it was just to show them like, mm -hmm. this is too light. This is too dark. This is your color. So did that for like a year. And then I, again, was not like bored or anything, but I wanted more challenge. So um, there was an opening in our location for a part-time Lancome beauty advisor. Mm -hmm. So if you're familiar with Ulta's, you know that there are often boutiques inside the Ulta. There's uh, usually a benefit brow bar, a Lancome, a Clinique. Some of them have Max. Some of them have Estee Lauder. Um, but this was like before the bigger Ulta expansion. So like it was kind of a big deal that we had like a Lancome counter in there. Um, and yeah, I started working part-time Lancome and it was so much fun. I had sales goals. I had responsibility. I was able to focus just on one brand and really educate myself on the science behind the brand. That was my favorite part was one thing I love about Lancome still to this day is they really care about their, um, retailers and they send you to what's called Ecole Lancome which is a training program. It's a three-day training program where they will literally fly you to a location. I went to Dallas. No. Did I go to Dallas? I think it was Dallas. No, I went to Chicago. I went to Chicago and they did a three-day training course where they teach you everything about the history of the brand, everything about the skincare, what's in the skincare, the science behind it, the color, the foundations, the mascaras, everything that you need to know about Lancome to sell it in a way that is not only going to educate your customer, but make them excited about it. Um, and I was like thrilled to have that much support from a brand. Um, and I just blossomed. Like it was so much fun. And we started doing like an amazing amount of sales. I was hitting it out of the park like every day. Granted, I was, you know, my location was in a great area. So mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, I, I was definitely handed a good opportunity. Um, so time kind of passed. And then we had a little changing of the guard inside the store. And they became an opportunity to do the full-time counter manager position. Of course, I applied for that. I ended up getting it. And again, it just, everything grew. The store grew. And we actually became the number one Lancome sales counter inside Ulta Beauties in the state of Minnesota or what yeah in or at least in like my region which was still like really big it was like the entire mm -hmm. metro Twin Cities area um so Damn. for for an entire quarter we were like 111 percent to goal like we had surpassed sales goals by like a lot wow yeah so I'm like a born saleswoman. I don't know how or why that happened, but I, if there's a product that you have and I can fall in love with it or I, give me a story about it, and that's kind of actually what led me to film was the story aspect of selling something or the story aspect of connecting with people. As soon as I could get someone in my chair and I would hear their story and what they needed, that was really my favorite part of my job was to then help them find the tools or help them, you know, where whether it be finding that perfect shade of red for your date night or the voluminous mascara for your prom. Like it became these little products and I had the best clients and they would come see me and they'd be like, Elena, I'm so excited. Like I need a new cleanser. What do you recommend? Or, you know, I need new blush or I've got a, you know, my girlfriend's got a wedding coming up. What do you recommend for like an all day eyeshadow? And it was just a blast. And I had so much fun. So 
I loved working at Ulta and Lancome um, and my clients were great. But after a while, I was like, the sales goals started to get to me a little bit because after a couple of years, your sales goals get really, really high. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it started to like, and I am someone who probably takes things a little too personally when it comes to this, but I would start to really get down on myself and beat myself up if I didn't make that like $2,000 a day, which is a lot of money for one brand. And I would be like upset. Like I'd go home and cry about it. And my boyfriend was like, babe, you're not making enough money to cry about this. (laughs) Like, don't be upset. Yeah. Um, Now he's now my husband, so he's great. But, um, I love that. Yeah. Um, but I was, I, I still loved working with people. I, I fell in love with applying the makeup. I loved doing the applications. Mm-hmm. It was just the sales goals that were starting to slowly kill me. So I was like, okay, well, I've always loved watching the behind the scenes featurettes on DVDs, which again, ages myself slightly. I'm not old, old, but like. <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. Era. So like I'd always buy the, and same thing, Blu-ray. I'd always buy the extended edition or I'd buy the special feature edition so I could get both discs so I could make sure I could watch the behind the scenes featurettes and all the um, different uh, like blooper reels and gag reels and all this stuff because I loved seeing how they did things and again this is all pre YouTube accessibility of a lot of this so Mm -hmm. it was the only way you could really find it and I was like you know what's really would be really cool it would be to like do that like work on those because i'm like i do makeup and there's makeup in there i Mm -hmm. bet there's a way maybe for me to do makeup for that and i was like literally it was just like one day where i was like hmm i'm gonna try to go work in the film industry and then i was like all right and i went home after work and i looked up on the internet i googled i was like makeup film school longest program because I thought to myself, I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm someone who's like, I'm going to go all in. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to worry about the cost, which in retrospect, probably wasn't the best idea, but <laughs> I was like, I'm going to find the longest, most thorough program that I can so I can learn everything so that after I figure out where my specialties are or where my strengths are that I can really focus and hone in on them. So that's how I found Vancouver Film School. And I was really interested and intrigued by it. I've also never lived outside the country. I've actually never lived anywhere besides Minnesota before that. Um, I went to college in Minnesota. And so I was ready for that next kind of big adventure um, Mm -hmm. for a bunch of reasons too. Um, So I was about 24. Let's see, how old was it? That was 2018. But 2017 is when I researched it. What year is it? It's 2021. I'm 20. So I was like 25. 25-ish. Um, when, when I first started kind of checking out uh, VFS. And it was really cool. They had this summer intensives program, which was just a week. And I asked my mom, I was like, if I save up enough money to pay for the program, will you help buy my plane ticket? <laughs> And she was like, yeah, if you can, if you can save up. And it was like $1,000 for the program. She's like, if you can save up the money for the program, I'll help you with your plane ticket. So I worked really hard. 
I refereed a bunch of soccer games. I saved up some of my Ulta money and I was able to um, pay for the program. And so I went to Vancouver for the very first time in 2017 in the summer. And as soon as I got off the plane, it was just like that overwhelming, like washed feeling. Like you, you see it in animated movies when, when there's like, I don't know, some like sparkle dust falls out of the sky, <laughs> a wash of color, just like you see, like when Cinderella takes her, goes from like pink rags to ball gown. Yes, that, yes, that was that, you. That was the feeling I felt when I stepped off the sky train at Waterfront Station in Vancouver because it was like. Breathing in that salty ocean air was like the best feeling I have had in so long. I was just like, I'm home. This is where I'm meant to be. This is great. I love it here. And I hadn't even done anything yet. I just stepped off the train and I was I was already in love with the city. I remember the first thing I did, I went and found a restaurant. I had lobster mac and cheese and a beer and oh, it was yum. delicious. It was so fresh and so yummy. I found my Airbnb and I did the week of the intensive. And every night I found a new pizza place to go to. And I um, just enjoyed walking around Gastown. And I didn't have a car or anything, obviously, um, but I just wanted to explore my little tiny, like newfound heaven. And so I. I just really embraced Vancouver for that one week. And as soon as I had to go home, I was so, I was like, all right, sign me up. Let's go. Full program. I'm ready. And of course, VFS being the world-renowned, very competitive program that it is, um, has a wait list. So they initially, when I applied, because as soon as I got home, I put in my application. I was like, mm -hmm. all right, here's my application. Let's go. Thinking that hopefully I would even get to go that year. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> they came back and said, thank you so much for your application. We've reserved a spot for you for January 2nd of 2019. And I was like, wow, 2019? That's over a year away. And I was crushed because I was like, I cannot do retail for another year and a half. That's mm -hmm. just not the vibe. Um, so I was pretty disheartened, but I was like, okay, I keep me, that's okay, we'll figure it out. But I told them too, I told the school, I was like, if anybody drops out of the program at any time between now and January 1st of 2019, tell me because I will drop everything and I will move. Um, and they, and I even was like, there was a program literally starting in August and I was like, I will go in like two weeks if you want. Like, I am so ready to, to do this. Um, August came and went, didn't, didn't go that way. Um, fall came, I was still working retail. <sighs> Finally, on December 6th, I get an email that said, Elena, there's a girl who's considering dropping out. And I was like, well, first of all, why would you say considering? Because now you're going to get my hopes mm. up. And what if she mm -hmm. said I was so stressed. I was at work. I was at Ulta. And one of my really good work friends, Sherry, and I told her, and I was like, Sherry, we need to pray that this girl drops out. 
<laughs> I was, we, I had the whole store. Everyone was like sending me good vibes and manifestation. We were just like, it's going to be great. She's going to drop out because it's just not her time and it's my time and I'm going to go. And it's going to be awesome. And this was for January of 2018. Um, mm-hmm. So it would have been mm-hmm. a whole year ahead of schedule. And um, I literally was like, could not focus for the rest of the work day. I was too hyped up from this potential news. I get home. I ended my work day around five. I remember getting home and we, I couldn't even focus. I told my husband right away and I was living also with one of my best roommates or sorry, best college friends who then became our roommate as well. Her name is Katie. Um, she's become one of my best friends. She was also in her wedding anyways. Um, and I get an email at like six ish. I can't remember exactly. And the header just says you're in. I literally screamed so loud. I don't think like I probably shook the entire building. I was just elated beyond all measure. It was insane. I, and then all of a sudden, uh, I just start crying. I'm just like a mess. Cause that's, I'm a Pisces. We have emotional. Okay. Okay. I get it. I get it. I was just like, I got it. Like, it was great. It was a whole moment. Anyways, and then my roommate comes running and she's like, what happened? Are you okay? And I'm like, I'm going to Vancouver. And so that was December 6th. Classes started Mm -hmm. January 2nd. I had three weeks to move my entire life from Minneapolis to Canada. (laughs) So I did. Oh, man. Literally the next day, I told my boss at Alta, I was like, I'm putting in my two weeks. I'm moving to Canada. Bye. <laughs> so, oh my God. I did. I put in my two weeks. And in that three week time period, I boxed up all of my things that I thought I was going to need. I found an apartment in downtown Vancouver and I got myself on New Year's Eve, December 31st, a plane ticket to fly to Vancouver and I spent New Year's Eve in Vancouver and started off 2018 fresh and ready to go to school. I have goosebumps. (laughs) I have goosebumps. So that is kind of how, and then, you know, once I was in Vancouver, it was all, it was all wonderful from there. I attended VFS for the year of, of 2018 um, had an amazing, amazing time and experience, met incredible people. My class was some of the most kind, adventurous, sweet people I've ever met. We had a class of 20, 19 of which were girls. And then we had Cameron who had to do with all of us, <laughs> but he was also a drag queen. So, you know, yes. he, check, but thank God we had Cameron because otherwise the balance of energy would have been really off. But Honestly, some of these people too are some of my still closest friends. I talk to them to this day. We text constantly and I'm so happy for all of them because it's really cool watching how everyone's journey, because not everyone ended up pursuing makeup after school, but Mm -hmm. we have people who went into taxidermy. We have people who went to resin making. We have people who went into cake decorating. Um, We have people who went into drag. Um, And then we have, of course, makeup artists and hairstylists, shop and effects workers. Um, So it's just like a huge variety of people. And it was such an amazing group. I I couldn't have asked for a better class, honestly. Like I felt like our class gelled really well. We had limited drama. 
Um, we all pushed each other to, to succeed. Everyone was rooting for each other. People were helping each other. And I found that that kind of environment really helped set me up for my early years of the film industry because so often I feel like you hear of a competitive nature between people. And mm -hmm. I felt from the get-go, I was given such an incredible foundation of just spreading joy and education and help and, and reminding each other, you know, that a, a tide lifts all ships, that we mm -hmm. need each other to succeed and not everyone is going to be good at every single thing. One thing I learned in makeup school was that I actually am not very interested in doing shop work. And I thought going in, I was going to be like the next Rick Baker. I was like, I'm going to go and build some amazing, guess what? Your girl can't sculpt. <laughs> so, I am not so, sculptor. <laughs> so explain shop to the people that may not be familiar with it. Yeah, totally. So there's kind of two different sides of the film industry. You're most artists kind of go one or the other there is some crossover but there's kind of a, a group of people who primarily work on set doing more like beauty and out of kit effects and um glamour and that kind of makeup and then there's the effects technicians and artists who are you know building prosthetics and huge body suits and some are even going to the extent of animatronics one of my classmates was really into that too um and so effects artists are going to be using, you know, a lot of plasters and silicones and WD-40 and um, a whole range of things that require like gas masks because you shouldn't inhale them. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But it's, it's a totally different world than onset makeup. Um, but there is oftentimes people who come from the effect shops to then apply what they've created on set because they know, you know, the best ways to do that. They're familiar with the adhesives, the removers, and how to prep the skin safely. So oftentimes you'll have um, prosthetics departments separate from the makeup departments so that they are kind of just in control and um, taking care of those specific appliances. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's uh, like when you get into the actual like mechanics of artistry within the industry, it's so much deeper than so many people realize, oh, yeah. which is one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast is because let's break it down. Let's get in there. Yeah. Um, our, it's so interesting to me because our paths are somewhat parallel. Like I thought for the longest time I was going to go to law school like convinced, took the LSAT <laughs> twice, took a gap year. Oh my and God. I was like, I was like, this is not where I want to be. Like I interned, I, I was living in New York at the time. I interned at like a big, like financial institution. And I was like, this is not, this is not where I want to be. I ended up getting like a receptionist gig. And after like a few years of that, I, re I realized like, I want to help people. I love the customer service side as well. Yeah. Um, and then I went to makeup school. I did an intensive in New York and I was like, this is, this is what I want to be doing. And I also, when I moved to the West coast, managed a long comb counter. What? No, I'm not even kidding you. Oh my I, God. Yes. That's why. And this, I was in a department store and it was the same thing for me. Like I couldn't give, like I knew my job wasn't 
makeup. It was sales. It's sales. And I, a lot of people don't get when they get those yep. jobs. They think they're going to be makeup artists. And I'm like, you're a saleswoman. You have to exactly. get it sales. Exactly. And for me, like I, I, I struggled with that the most because I couldn't give two shits about selling products on people like it was because they condition you and they train you they're like okay if someone comes in for an eyeliner sell them an eye cream too like just push that on them and i was very like even though i worked for lancome i was very brand agnostic like i knew what brands did highlighters best in my opinion or brow products best and so i would literally a client (laughs) yeah yeah a client to me Well, because I like, I want to make sure that the person in my chair has the best, like I'm giving them the best recommendation. I I have, I can't lie to them and be like, oh, Lanco makes this product and it's really great. When I know that like down the aisle, there's another brand that in my opinion, makes a better version of this product. And Lancome, like there are some products that I will fall on the sword and be like, Lanco makes like mascaras. I will die for a Lancome mascara. Like yeah. they crush it out of the park. Yeah. Um, but so I would literally like lead clients over and like give someone else a sale, like do a soft handoff and just yes. be like, hi, this is, this is Marissa. She works the Becca counter. Like Marissa, I was telling this person about this product. And I like, it was the same mentality for me. Like, I think that if I support everyone in the department mm-hmm. for the purpose of getting this client, the best of what they need, then they'll come back and they'll be loyal to all of us. Exactly. But that's not how sales work. No, exactly. (laughs) And so I, but I think that's how people work. And I think that's Mm -hmm. how community works. And I think, again, that type of mentality translating into the film industry and not being good, you can't be good at every single thing. Like, Mm -hmm. and honestly, I don't know if you even want to be, I think you should know how to do everything, but you shouldn't have to be the best at every single thing because Mm -hmm. otherwise you're also cutting yourself off from opportunities to learn from other people um, who may be experts in those fields. Because, you know, if I want to learn more about editorial, I'm not going to go to Rick Baker. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to find Oh my gosh, what is his name? It's uh, Roshar. I'm going to go find <laughs> Roshar and ask him, you know, what is the best recommendation for, you know, a UV eyeliner or something. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going to do effects work, I'm also not going to go to, I can't think of anyone right now. But basically what I'm trying yeah. to say is that everyone has some great uh, strengths and the same way in sales where, you know, you can find you know, different products in different brands. I feel like in film, you have to be able to use everyone's talents because that's going to give you the best overall makeup. Yeah, I completely agree with you. So how did you, you finish school? How do you then get your <laughs> first gig? Or like, how do you, cause now you're in the union, you've done all that. You're regularly working, which is incredible. And I know a lot of our listeners aspire to be where you're at in that regard. So like, how did you get to where you are now? So I actually started working on set while I was in school. I was Mm, like mm -hmm. so impatient. Um, That's classic Elena. I just, I need things (laughs) now. I'm not a patient woman. I want them yesterday. I started actually, so I started school in January. I had my very first onset gig in April. So I only had like four months of experience of even doing makeup for film. 
And then I had um, an opportunity where this girl I had worked with just on a photo shoot, she was um, keying a short film. And she was like, I need an assistant. I've got a wedding in the morning and I won't make it till about two o'clock. Can you cover and um, do, you know, she's like, it's just a couple people. Don't worry about it. I had like six people that day <laughs> by myself. Wow. And I was like, I had never been on a film set. I had not even, we haven't even gotten to the whole like set etiquette part of our schooling. I was just going online and reading blogs and finding out my own resources. That's another thing too. I mean, obviously if you're in makeup school, you want to follow the trajectory of whatever they give, but don't be afraid to do your own research. And if you're going to, you know, put yourself in a situation, be prepared for it. So like do the research. And I went out and found some incredible um, articles about, you know, set etiquette and terminology and what does it mean when, you know, then AD calls for finals. And you think that it's very common sense, but that's because we're very used to it now. But when you first started, you have no idea when people mm -hmm. are like, second team, what, who, where? I'm so confused. So yep. there are some products out there. I know um, Marietta Carter-Narcisse makes a little brown book that's got all the terminology in it, which is super helpful. Um, and again, there's like blogs and articles and there's YouTube videos too now about how to prepare yourself for a set day. Um, but anyways, I worked throughout my school year on short films, student films, music videos, and I got about 16 days worth of it. Of, um, experience during school, which was, it felt really good. And then when 2019, 2019 came along, I was like, all right, this is my year. Let's go. I've got, as soon as I actually graduated from VFS, I went and I took my union tests because I was like, I'm, I'm trying to get into this union like yesterday. Mm -hmm. Like I'm <laughs> not a patient woman. So I, I took my tests, passed my tests, went home for Christmas came back to Canada January or February actually. And I was like, hit the ground running. No, wait, it was January. It was January, um, like the second weekend of January. I worked like almost back to back on a bunch of different short film projects for about two months. Went home again for the month of April in 2019, got married and then said peace to my husband and flew <laughs> back to Vancouver by myself in May of 2019 and worked my ass off from 2019, May of 2019 until December of 2019. And I was just hardcore going at it. I had some incredible opportunities. I got myself onto some union sets. I got to work on Firefly Lane, Julie and the Phantoms, Arrow, uh, Sabrina. Um, and I just, I learned so much. Every, I took so many jobs. Every single thing I could take, I even would, I, you know, scroll through Facebook constantly. And just, even if it was a casting call, I would, and there was an email, I would be like, hi, do you need makeup? I do makeup. Like I was going after every single job, even if they weren't looking for a crew, like to the point, not where like it was going to be annoying. Like I didn't want to, you know, overstep my boundaries, but if it was a student mm -hmm. film and I was like, they probably need help or they're not even thinking that they need makeup. I'm just going to throw my name in the hat and see if they'll call me back or email me back. Because I got a lot of no's, and that's one thing that you gotta be ready for, is you're gonna hear a lot of no's. For every mm -hmm. one yes, I probably heard about 10 to 15 no's. Like, the percentages mm -hmm. are low. But 
every single time I got a yes, I would breathe, I'd pay my rent or I'd get my groceries and then I would use that money to buy product for the next gig. And then I would do it again. And it was like a very slow build. Um, And it took time. It was a lot of work. And I did that all of 2019 and I was so excited. I went home for Christmas again in 2020, or sorry, at the end of 2019, came back in January of 2020. No, that's a lie. Came back in February of 2020 because I came right after my friend got married. Again, started working my butt off. I was like, 2020 is going to be my year. 2020 is going to be my year. I know. She says that now, right? And then March. (laughs) March hit and everything came to a grinding halt. The entire coronavirus. Coronavirus shut everything down. And Canada was very different than the States in that they shut down. Very. Mm -hmm. I remember March 15th. I was actually on set the day that they we pretty much shut the country down. Yeah, I it was it was wild, and all of a sudden, all of my friends we were all just like out of work. Mm-hmm. Nobody was doing anything, and we all just sat there and literally, like. And then everyone knows what happened with the pandemic, but it was it was insane. So things started because we shut down so solidly in Canada, and um, we had some government programs that made it possible for people not to work. Um, people were able to start coming back to work in around July, August. I was on my very first set in late July. It was just a photo shoot and we were taking precautions. And then August is actually when the BC production guide, I believe came out. And that's when production started ramping back up. And Mm -hmm. I got to work on actually my very first feature film as a department head in a post COVID world, not even post COVID in a mid COVID world. In August of 2020, um, I worked on a feature film and we, it was wild. We had all these, you know, different brand new regulations. So I was, I became a makeup artist pretty much in COVID. I only really had a year of pre-COVID precautions. So it's going to actually be really interesting, I think, going forward with my career because there's a lot of people who are way more experienced than me that have been at this for so long and had to do a kind of a shift or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, are reintroducing themselves to all the new procedures. But I pretty much started with them. And I think mm-hmm. from going forward, a lot of artists now are going to have a not necessarily a leg up, but I think we're all a lot more hyper aware of the dangers and just like being on top of our sanitation game and really making sure that we're keeping our clients hundred percent safe and keeping our tools sanitized, which I think is great yeah. overall. I'm not saying that, you know, other people or older people were doing anything different. I just think that the mm-hmm. world definitely brought to light a lot of our like potential issues. If, yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> that makes total sense. So what would you say out of all the sets you've been on, what would you say is like the greatest lesson you've learned? Okay. Or the one that stuck with you the most. Yeah, I've got one. Okay, so okay. working on Arrow, and mm-hmm. I ha- was given an actor bag, and I was technically only supposed to be a second assist, which means you really are only touching background. And mm-hmm. I was handed an actor bag, so I was going to be doing main cast, just finals. 
And in one of this, uh, the 80 called finals, we all go in and all I really had to do was blot papers and lip balm. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't find the lip balm in his bag. And I'm panicking because I'm like, hey, do you need anything? He's like, yeah, can I just get a little bit of lip balm? And I'm like, sure, easy. Literally, Mm -hmm. because it was like a tube. Like I should have been able Mm -hmm. to hand it to him. I couldn't find it. And I'm standing there like rummaging through the bag and I'm like starting to panic, sweating, being like, okay, I need to give him something. So I had also been wearing my own set bag and I knew I had lip balm in there. So I go and I grab my, my, my own lip balm that I had ready to go, Q-tip, and I hand it to him. He's like, mm-hmm. thanks. He puts it on. I'm like, oh, crisis averted. We're good to go. Mm-hmm. I got a set and I go back to the monitors and the department head, she's like, we're all kind of looking at this screen. And of course the guy I did finals on is like, not, it's not like a one shot, but there's like a smaller group of people. Mm -hmm. And I can see the department head kind of go up to the monitor and squint. And she's like, what'd you put on his lips? And I'm like, I gave him lip balm. She goes, did you use the one in his bag? And I was like, I couldn't find it. So I just used the one in my set bag. And she's like, it looks like he's wearing lip gloss. It's really shiny. And I was like, I wanted to die. I was like, oh my God. Cause I could totally tell like the one I mm-hmm. use is like a Kiehl's lip balm. And mm-hmm. normally I only use it for female performers but I didn't have anything else. And so I was just like, here, lip balm, there you go. Oh my God. I just wanted to sink into the floor and die. I, I was like, yep, I can totally see it. You're right, it, yep. And she's like, so next time, if you can't find a product in an actor set bag, just ask me. Um, I have a couple of extras and we ended up actually finding the right lip balm. It was in the set bag. It was literally at the very bottom, like in a corner that in my panic, I couldn't find. Wow. But yeah, she was really kind about it. She didn't yell. She wasn't upset. She was just like, you know, next time. If you have a situation like that, something as simple, you know, if it, lip balm, just just ask, just take the time. And I think that honestly changed my perspective. And I, I wasn't necessarily trying to like rush or like show, you know, prove that I was going to be awesome. But I think the uh, the just anxiety of the situation mm-hmm. really exacerbated more than it needed to. And it reminded me going forward that even in crucial situations like that you can always ask for help and there are people around you that want to help you and just expressing that could save you down the road (laughs) yeah no that's amazing and i think you know especially being in a like aesthetic type of work we want to get it perfect and we want it to be because we've all watched that show on tv or that movie or whatever and we're like um okay but like that foundation like totally aged her out of her characters like what what is happening here and like just being on the other side of it i think makes you so much more um like a little more humble and a little more empathetic to the fact that like when you're on set and you have like sometimes hundreds of people's schedules and and paychecks and everything on the line like it's a lot for one person to like have a lip even a lip balm moment riding on them like so yeah i think 
humbling moments like that are so important. And yeah, I, I agree with you, like asking for help and odds are like the key or the first assistant are probably have been in your shoes and know what it's like and will hopefully have a little bit of empathy for you too. Um, but that's, that's a great, that's a great anecdote and a great lesson. Um, so I want to be mindful of your time because I know you're super busy and you're hustling and you're working. Um, I want to just very quickly ask about product. Sure. What are some of the products that you get to set, you open your kit, and if they're not there, you will flip a table? Like what are your can't live without products? So it's, it's actually not a makeup product, but it's one of my main tools. It's my makeup light. And if I don't have the makeup light, um, which was de designed by Vivian Baker and Michael Estalis, I literally will like just cry because if I can't see what I'm doing, the mm -hmm. whole day is just a wash because if I, I can tell you the amount of times that I've been put in like a dingy bathroom or a dark corner of a room just because there was no other place for makeup to set up mm -hmm. but then I also bringing that light I have impressed so many people just because coming prepared like that has been amazing and it's honestly one of those things that changes the entire day for me because it's just part of my setup now and I love that you know it only shines like daylight temperature it's not like a super hot light it's not going to melt my actor it's not going to hurt their eyes and the product itself is really lightweight it's easy to carry so it's not like an extra bag i have to worry about carrying um so that's one of my favorite tools slash products um in my kit uh another one i would say i am a huge fan of rcma foundations mm -hmm. i am obsessed with the color range and the undertones they actually just launched a brand new liquid line as well, which we carry. Um, I work at Norcosco in Atlanta and they carry that there and it's gorgeous. It doesn't have any water in it and it's just the coverage is like a beautiful satin matte finish. So I'm really hoping to try a couple of those in my kit soon too. Um, let's see, what else? I love the Viseart eyeshadows. I can't go anywhere without them. <laughs> the neutral the pigment is insane it's so i literally honestly could probably just live out of the neutral bats palette the majority of my job is day makeups usually mm -hmm. um i love doing out of kit effects and editorial and stuff but if we're just doing an everyday look you can do that out of the neutral mattes palette um the other two i love and gravitate towards is obviously cool mattes and then warm mattes just depending on the skin type of my actor, I can kind of go back and forth. But honestly, the Viseart palettes are to die for it. They are amazing. Um, let's see, what else? The RCMA No Color Powder, of course, is a staple in everyone. Oh, yeah. Can't live without that. Um, honestly, again, another product slash tool I really am a huge fan of the Mio cosmetic cases. Um, they were designed by Suzanne, who's actually a local female entrepreneur in Vancouver, who I met, and she was incredibly kind and helped me out on a feature. She helped sponsor it and, and gifted me with some incredible palettes. But she has these amazing on-set palettes that 
inside they have like pods so you can keep your product in there and it's also magnetic so you can put different things in there as well honestly those have saved my back and like I'm not a fan of carrying multiple set bags I want one bag with a couple pockets on it mm -hmm. I am only 29 almost 30 and I can already tell you I've heard so many horror stories from department heads and keys that have complained about their back problems and I mm -hmm. am not gonna join that crew I don't not want to be on that team <laughs> mm -hmm. I want to be able to work into my you know late 40s 50s without having to go to the chiropractor every other week so yeah. I have done definitely joined the decanting um movement <laughs> and if you know who Grishin Roof is you should um she is the queen of decanting and she has amazing content and ideas on her Instagram um, she also did a collaboration with Neo, as well as James McKinnon did one as well. They have these cool new like palettes. Again, I'm just like obsessed with any way that I can make my kit smaller and more compact and easier to carry. I'm mm -hmm. thrilled. So yeah, I'm 100% on board with the uh, with the decanting movement and and basically any product that I can make smaller, I'm happy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Same here. Same here. So what piece of advice would you give for aspiring artists looking to enter the film space? Okay, I gotta think for like five seconds. <laughs> There's so many things. Mm-hmm. What is the best though? Okay. And I feel like this is actually something I've kind of learned along my fitness journey, which I've started taking in the last year or so. No one is going to do the work for you you are not going to be handed anything. There are hundreds, if not thousands of people that are talented and incredible humans that also do what you do. What sets you apart is your personality and your drive and your kindness. And honestly, I think that last one is huge because who you are as a person and how you represent yourself on set can end up turning one job into the next 10 years of work. You never know who's around you. You never know who's listening. That PA could be a producer in five years. You mm -hmm. don't know. So you need to be kind to every single person you come across. Everyone has bad days, I get that. But we need to start changing the culture of the industry from the get-go. And I think there's a lot to be worked on in terms of empathy and kindness and so I would say my number one piece of advice would be is to go into it with determination and a good heart. <laughs> I love that. And I agree. And I just got goosebumps all over again. Aww. I've just been like going between goosebumps from like the amazing thoughtful things you've said to then like also just sweating <laughs> from like the high pressure moments that I've also been in that I'm like, I can relate to that. Um, can you, are you able to tell us anything about what's next for you? Well, yes. Okay. Okay. So I have a feature film that I'm depart heading. It's coming up. I leave, um, um, next Wednesday, I'm going back to Minnesota, actually. I'm really excited. Um, we're doing an indie film. It's called Fairy. And I'll be on that for about two and a half weeks or so. And then I'm not actually sure if 
like, I don't want to jinx anything yet. Mm-hmm. There is a mm-hmm. potential job on the horizon. I need everyone mm-hmm. to send me their good manifestation energy mm-hmm. right now because who knows what could happen, but it could be like the next big break for me. And I'm really, really hoping that things fall into place. So that's all I can say about it. <laughs> all right. We're going to manifest for you. Everybody, everyone. <laughs> Listen, MUA Chronicle Pod fam. Yes, we're gonna ma- we're gonna send that energy right to Elena. Um, where can the people find you, follow you, keep up with your adventures? Yeah, um, I have Instagram. My it's just my name at Elena J Miller. E L E N A J Miller. You can also search ATL Makeup Magician. That's another cute little story. I call myself a magician because. An artist doesn't seem to fit who I am because I don't have an art background. And so um, cute little sidebar story. I was always a huge fan of Harry Potter and I grew up with it. And my mom always said that I was just a little magician. So that's why I kind of gave myself that title instead of makeup artist. (laughs) I love that. What's your house? Gryffindor. Oh, of course. I'm Gryffindor as well. Both me and my husband are Gryffindors. Oh, cute. Yeah, We had a Harry Potter wedding. (laughs) Did you really? Yeah. Okay. A whole different story. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. We're going to take that offline. I'm going to need to see some photos. Definitely. Because I'm obsessed. Yeah. Obsessed. Yeah. All right. Alina, thank you so much for being here, for spending the time with us. Your story, like I said, just, and your way of storytelling, just between, like, I'm having hot flashes, I'm having goosebumps, (laughs) I'm having all the emotions. I want only the best for you. May you have all of your dreams come true. I'm going to manifest greatness for you. And thank you so much for being here. Yes. Thank you so much too. I'm so happy we met and I can't wait to see what's in store for you either. So. Yay. Yay. Oh, I love this. Just a love fest (laughs) all around. Awesome. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Elena. It I mean, when I tell you that just talking to her, we were talking over Zoom. She's in Atlanta. I'm in the Bay Area, but As we were talking, I just felt this amazing energy coming through the screen. She has really, really um, just this beautiful aura, beautiful spirit, and I'm so happy for all the success she's had. And I am crossing my fingers and sending out vibes that she continues to gain success. Um, Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Again, if you have any questions, comments, any product recommendations, things you want to shout out, go ahead and leave me a voicemail, 877-THE-MUAC on our toll-free hotline. And please, 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 every time you download an episode, every time you listen to an episode of this podcast, it helps me to continue to build our community, gain listeners. And like I said, I do want to connect everyone together. I'm thinking of how that will be. Will it be a Discord channel? Will it be a Facebook group? I don't know. Let me know what you would prefer. But the more people that know about the Makeup Artist Chronicle, the stronger our community can be. And the more people we have to connect with and share this beautiful knowledge of what it really is like to work in the industry and what products maybe the mainstream person might be sleeping on or not the mainstream person but like the average beauty enthusiast that maybe isn't in the industry might be sleeping on but we industry professionals know this is a product that is worth it so that was a weird way to say that word anyway I am going to go before I start spiraling out and talking nonsense but hit me up on the hotline please continue to download and listen to the episode tell your friends and if you could swoop on into Apple, um, give this podcast five stars. I would really appreciate it. And I will talk to you next week. 
Bye. Give me that microphone.